Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. I am Angela Wetzel, your host. This is also your host, Nick Carl. Um, I usually say what we do. Um, I'm a trauma-informed relationship coach uh, with Epic Initiator Coaching, and Nick is a somatic experienced somatic experiencer. Um, And yeah, just like emotional researcher. And um, we're here in this podcast to help clear up the stigma and enigma around emotions and the emotional journey. And, um, you know, to help everyone uh, experience way less suffering and hell. Yeah, at least talk about it um, to help you feel, you know, maybe a little more normal. It's pretty normal to, to uh, suffer around emotions, I'd say. Mm-hmm. No emotions. They have they have a bad rap. Like people aren't. They're not very popular with a lot of people. Yeah. Well. I mean, yes. They're just in the background, right? You're experiencing them, and it's not. It's not like socially acceptable to be like, mm-hmm. I'm fucking dying. Right. Inside. Right. Or like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny to think about like socially what um, emotions are acceptable. Like if someone was like truly excited and was like, oh my God, yay. Like everyone gets scared and looks like what the fuck is going on. You know, you've, if you've seen that in movies where someone's like really happy and really right. excited, people are like, what's wrong with you? Or you think you can tell they're scared. They're yeah. like, oh my God, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny. There's like a very polite like spectrum of emotions that it's like apparently okay to feel, but anything outside of that, it's like we have to, push aside or stuff down or you know, I numb kinda get, out. I kind of get like the, you know, the Serengeti, uh, what do they call it? Like a big group of animals. What do they call that? Um, herd mentality. Herd. You okay. You're in the herd, right? Mm-hmm. When you're in the herd, mm-hmm. you want a certain amount of signals from people that like, Hey, just be fucking chill. I don't want any kind of bullshit. I don't want you to be happy. <laughs> don't want you to be too sad. Honestly, just like mm-hmm. keep your heads up. If I see something from you, it better be like a signal to me about what's like on the horizon, you know? Otherwise, mm-hmm. just keep it in your pants, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. chill the fuck out. So, like, I yeah. get that. Like, that's part That's part of yeah, sure. how, how it all works, right? But mm-hmm. I, I think it leaves a lot. Yeah, it's like the animal part of us is like, wait, why Why is this person so excited? Or why are they screaming? Or, or noise? Why, why is there noise? You know, because there's basic human fears. You're mm-hmm. falling, loud noises, death, dismemberment, right. abandonment. I forget what all the ones are, but there's like a pretty decent list of very common ones, which we learned on another podcast that vomiting is on that list too. A uh, big one. Fear of vomiting. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm digressing. Um, so today's podcast, we had one last night. Was it last time? The last one? Last one was about uh, victim 
Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Okay, so we had had one before that around polyamory. Mm. And um, so because we had that one, we thought we might as well talk about monogamy and just some of the perspectives around that. Um, Yeah, and just relationships. So do you have somewhere that you would like want to dive in or just some observations or thoughts? I think to me, I I think about start at the beginning, right? (laughs) Why Mm. do you want to be in relationship with anybody, right? Why not just be alone forever? Wouldn't that be easier? Maybe. No. Well, maybe. Yeah, and, and no. And I think no. Because the human condition, I think it's a basic building block of who we are, right? Because we, we talked about this in putting it in needs, right? Connection, right? Relationship is fundamental. It's down there with our basic needs of like breathing, food, and water, you know? Yeah. We're social, tribal creatures. Right. Social, tribal creatures. And so uh, I guess when we're talking about monogamy, then we're talking about. Uh, uh dichotomous relationships between sexes right i guess it could be same same sex there's same sex monogamy too but like when people get into uh relationships do monogamous relationships do you do not do you necessarily have to be having sex with somebody to be in a relationship like what's the what's the what's the line when a thing becomes a relationship right well it's interesting that like even the term like monogamy mono one gammy i don't know What's what gammy? that is let's look it up yeah i was like what is gammy uh like poly poly gammy gammy, gammy. okay mm-hmm. <laughs> uh what, what, what etymology yeah here we go well as you look that up um yeah, so it's kind of interesting to think about how we look at our relationships or how we structure relationships because truly, like very few people ever have just one relationship in their life. And really it's, I think, pertaining to like um, a more, what? Okay, what does it. it say? Okay. <laughs> 1610s is when it shows up from the French monogamy, from the Latin monogamia. From Greek, monogamia, single marriage, okay? So mono is mm. single. Gami is marriage. Gamos is marriage. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of, okay, so a lot of people don't even do single marriage anymore. It's not one person that you get married to and till death do you part kind of thing. Um, and it was never going to be that way because life is so very unpredictable. Like um, you can literally watch, I mean, well, if you watch like historical dramas or anything like from the beginning of time, it's just like, even if someone's been married, you've probably seen Les Mis and you know that it doesn't matter. Like anyway, that's a reference to a really depressing story about this. this woman who like gets married and then she pretty much gets pregnant and is abandoned by the the father for whatever reason and it was just like you know even even back then when marriage was something that was like super serious um it still had no guarantees and it still has no guarantees but it's actually making more sense to me now single marriage right okay because up until recently it's like 
Uh, I'm thinking about the uh, biological uh, DNA implications of like you want to pass on your DNA, so you right. like try to multi pollination. Well, you put it in this wrapper of called marriage, like single marriage, you know, monogamy, and mm-hmm. then you have your kids because. Up until not very long ago, maybe 100 years ago, it's like you had your kids and then you're alive for like five more years and then you're dead, right? Oh, yeah. So, wait, wait, when were they dying in their 30s? Or like 30s and 40s, or, right? That's pretty young, yeah. It's pretty young. So it's just like you have a pretty small time window of like you got to do this. And so I think it's like more, way more prescriptive of like where it comes from. It's like, well, you got to do this. We're gonna wrap it up so so that we can protect our bloodlines, right? Protect our genes. I, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it is definitely indicative of another time as well. And like around, I'm guessing around like the origins of the institution of marriage, like that came with like the church and property and bloodlines and um, inheritances and dowries and all those things. Right. You know, protecting right. fortunes and political property rights. Yeah property rights and then you know at times women up until when still being well in some countries still are just treated as property right um passed you know passed on as property um yeah so um it's interesting i think marriage is like um, has just been something that little girls like fantasize about, like it, it being a um, a certain like marker of like oh where where I want to be, where I get to be, like maybe the the Barbie dream house with Ken, yeah, like get to have right. this whole life, and it's um, sort of like a, a status symbol. But really, what marriage is is it's an adult relationship. It's a it's a committed adult relationship and then if the the thing that makes it complex is of course the the legal the like the legality of it um so not only are you in this committed relationship but there's all this like legal stuff where your names are bound and they get in trouble Social contract yeah there's there's a lot of stuff like tied up in it um and usually what's interesting is you likely um, won't know until your first adult relationship what kind of traumas you've inherited. Mm-hmm. Usually that's when you start discovering like what the fuck is going on. Like uh, I call it blind inheritance. Um, so yeah, cause I had a couple boy, I had a couple boyfriends um, like in high school and then I got married like right when I turned 20, like Whoa. May. Yes. So, Damn. yes. Did you know that? Well, you were twenty. No, yeah. I, I, in my mind, I imagined you were like twenty-six or twenty-eight. No, that's when I was getting divorced. Twenty. Yeah, I had just. That's pretty. I feel like. I yeah. feel like that twenty is pretty young. <laughs> pretty it naive. Is very, it's very young. Yeah. I had no clue whatsoever, no clue. Um, you know, and the brain isn't even formed until 25. So, um, yeah, the adult brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting, like, well, I was in the military, um, and it made sense to do, like, the Army Married Couples program. 
Okay. And we had been dating for about a year and then we decided uh, we wanted to be together and we were going to be separated. Uh, well, we were both going to be stationed in Korea and uh, I was going to be stationed up north, I think, by the DMZ. I think Camp Red Cloud maybe is where I was supposed to go. I don't remember. Okay. Um, and then he was supposed to go to Camp Humphreys. So I ended up going with him mm-hmm. uh, to Camp Humphreys. And, uh, yeah, so we decided we wanted to stay together. And so that was like part of it. So we were like, yeah, let's get married. But we, we were engaged as well anyway. So there was a plan to get married. It's just, it's sped up quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we eloped in Vegas and we ended up having our regular wedding like after that, but oh my God, like were we young? Yeah. In my opinion, like too young to get married. Um, what at the time is going on with, uh, your attachment styles, yours and his when you're 20? Like, what do you, uh, what's, what's happening there? Um, that's a good question. Like I have to look back and see, um, I see, Counterdependence. Looking Counter-dependence. back at some of okay. some of my behaviors. Yes. Um, I remember having a a certain really re, like relationship to relationships about not wanting to be in them. Okay. Like like not wanting to feel like someone had power over me. So there was like something about like a power dynamic or like a power struggle. Okay, that seems antithetical to to being married. Yeah, it does. Um, But it, so that was more in the early stages of the relationship. Okay. Not with the marriage necessarily, but more of like getting into relationships being a little bit more like. Yeah, hesitant or just. Like, or I'm just not interested until I'm interested, so. Not gonna get your hooks on me, buddy boy. <laughs> Maybe I've always been like that, though. Um, yeah, I've never been like uh, majorly like rushing in and being like, "Oh my god, he's the one." Mm-hmm. Like I've never really been that person. <laughs> well, like, one of the things we talked about in uh, the polyamory cast was some of just some because, like, I think that you could talk about any of these subjects for eons, right? Yeah. was uh, this idea of the avoidant person avoiding like intimacy right to try to mm-hmm. and mitigating that by admitting uh, in and uh, engaging in a type of like power struggle so there's some kind of power dynamics there and then using these structures as a way to kind of keep all those things where they should be and I yeah. wonder if like reflexively looking through that same kind of lens you know that um, Right. I'm sure, I'm I sure see that, what you're asking now. You didn't necessarily mean me specifically, did you? No, I mean I am I'm I'm interested in you specifically, you know, but I don't know that if you follow that same you know, because the, the person or the relationship that we were talking about in the other cast was completely hypothetical, you know. We're just imagining somebody right. could do it that way through this lens, like trying to use uh, the attachment model sort of like this is one way it could go, right? Everybody's an individual and like their own little you know, quirks and features are going to be two and of them are own, you know? Right. So I would say those that end up married could likely come from any attachment category, truly. 
Sure. Um, secure people obviously like are going to feel good about that relationship and get married. It's going to feel comfortable, safe, secure. It's going to work out. Right. Um, those that are anxious might uh, want to speed into marriage or speed into relationship or speed into moving together because they're going to want that security and assurance and affirmation. Okay. So they're going to want to like, you know, latch onto that and like lock it down. Sure. Um, a disorganized type will be both anxious and avoidant. Right. So their anxious side is going to be more like, let's do this. And then when they're in it, they're going to be like, what the fuck did I do? And then they'll right. be like, I love you now. And then I don't. And so like kind of yeah. hot and cold dance. Yes. And then they're like, if you think about there being a spectrum of attachment, like really it's all just based on safety in or out of proximity. If you just think about the nervous system, it's just yeah. navigating that safety. And right. so you can have people that are avoidant to different degrees. Sure. So um, this was something um, I actually, I remember recently, um, I think it was today, yesterday, maybe I brought up the book. He's scared. She's scared, which is a really great book. Um, that I think is more specifically geared towards uh, avoidant, like attachment stuff, like commitment phobic sure. things, yeah, yeah. which is yes. really, it's, it's really good. Highly <laughs> recommend, highly recommend. Um, but you can be avoidant and like have certain uh, thresholds or things where you're like beyond that, like, no, because when you enter enter into a relationship like there's going to be more commitment like more commitment like if you're spending more time and now you're doing this and now there's a child and now there's a house and and if you really like let that impact your nervous system and you can close your eyes and just see what that does to your nervous system like think mm -hmm. about being with someone and think about having the child think about right having the house and the mortgage and the job and the responsibility. And now there's two children and now it's 10 years and now it's yeah, this. And it's yeah. just like, start to think about like whatever blocks that your nervous system has to that level of commitment or whatever fears or whatever limiting beliefs or whatever right. parts are still there that are unhealed are going to have things to say. And I think it's all going to depend on each person's unique trauma. So if you had a parent pass, let's say, um, when you were growing up and what you saw, like a marriage, like let's say your parents were happy and then one of them passed at a certain point in time. If you get married and you're getting close to that age, you and your partner are getting close to that age, it might be normal for you to try to get out of there before you experience the same thing at that same point in time. Right, right. Right. So there's just, diff it just depends on what the traumas are because the nervous system, like, it takes an entire like energetic snapshot of everything that's happening. It's not just like the conversations, but it's like the, the um, subtext, the, um, the body language, the, the smells in the air, the temperature, like the time of day, like right, 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 right. numbers, like it notices all those things. So I don't know what the stats are right now. Maybe should have looked it up on like five years, <laughs> like how many marriages last five years, you know? Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, let's just, for the argument, let's just say 50% do, okay? Right, because I think that, like, uh, divorce rates are, like, 50%. I don't know what the time scale is, though, okay? But then uh, I think... Yeah. But then I think about, okay, so for the 50% of marriages that, uh, we'll say, survived, that continued on, 
what, uh, how could we sort of like rank those as like healthy, generative, uh, expansive, creative, right? As opposed mm -hmm. to just hanging on, which leads me to think about, okay, you get yourself into a relationship and whether you get sort of married or not, like what are the factors, which I think, are, what are the factors that can allow people to um, grow through their traumas, okay? Either grow through their traumas, uh, grow used to their traumas, and then fly sort of like parallel, which is something I see all the time. Mm -hmm. In a lot of relationships, you know, it's just like, yeah, we'll get to know each other, and then we'll sort of hang out, you know, maybe it takes a couple of years or something. But then once we establish like our flight pattern, whatever that is, and then that's it. And then there is a trajectory to, you know, the fecundant success, you know, not necessarily just of birthing children, but I think mm -hmm. about just like birthing like any kind of growth or, <laughs> or business or maybe whatever it is that the, the couple engages in as far as like, you know, the energy and the curiosity and the, you know, vitality that they're, you know, coming together, you know, because I think that I think that there is strength in relationship, right? And there is there can be strength gained from monogamy, right? Mm. So I think about which is something I know that you work with people on is like overcoming <laughs> their own defense mechanisms so that they can even begin to approach a relationship, right? Yeah. But I know that like getting married, you know, getting married and monogamy, it's like, yes. And I, so I will, I will second what you said. It's like, uh, when I was a child, right, I had an idea of a re what relationship was. And it mostly came from Disney movies, you know. And there was an aspect that very much was like a Disney movie. Like falling in love was amazing. It was an amazing feeling that lasted a mm. couple of weeks, you know? Yeah. Those hormones it was. are great. It was, I can just remember like feeling like we, I was holding hands with her and we're just running through a field together. I was just like, oh my God, like of my heart, like bursting out of my chest, you know, with just like these fireworks and gemstones and just like angels singing from above, you know, mm -hmm. it was like that. And then, like, the next day comes. Like, my fantasies as a child never took me past that. Like, I didn't know what the, I just thought you stayed there forever. You enter heaven, and then you're in heaven forever. But that's not what happens. Like, yeah. it starts to sort of, like, change around. So it's like, you know, my patterns are uh, disorganized. And so it's like this going in, going in, going in. And then I learned, eventually, that it's when intimacy becomes apparent or like we cross the line of intimacy where when somebody begins to see deep inside of me that that is yeah. extremely uncomfortable for me right and then some i don't want to i want you to pick back up so okay. i want you to bookmark but i do want to say this really quickly yes. something to remember is we are not like our attachment pattern all the time because like like right now we're in secure attachment because yes. we're safely co-regulating. Yes. This is secure attachment. Okay. And so it's like how we gain secure attachment or stay there is by like navigating all those triggers and like working through those fears. So it's like 
in that moment when you felt so good and so safe, it was easy to, to be in secure right. attachment, securely yeah, yeah. attached. But then as the risk increased and then the, the chance for intimacy increased, then your stuff starts to come up. And when we're not able to address the triggers for either um, attachment fears, then we end up being disorganized or in more one or more of the other attachment styles like right. more often. And with no way to contextualize that whatsoever, didn't even know that that was a thing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it becomes yeah. like an otherworldly process that comes in and it and it is extremely confusing, right? So the way my brain processed it is that, oh, what's happening here, I'm having bad feelings, so what's happening here is bad, so I got to get out of here. And yeah. then I would get out of there. And then it's like, oh, mm -hmm. gosh, these feelings aren't good over here either. I kind of miss her a little bit. I wonder what she's doing, you know? And then it's like, <laughs> it just became ping pong city, right? And even after like, like three, whatever, after like the first or the second time, I was like, I started to see like how wild it was. And it was a terrible feeling, like feeling that because I, I felt completely stuck. I was like, this doesn't work. Because if I go there, I know that like, I know what happens when I go there because I've been there, mm -hmm. it won't last. And I know what's here, which is I want to be there. So it's like, that is, a, that is absolutely crazy making, you know, crazy. Yeah. So it's interesting, like in relationships, a lot of people don't really know what to expect because in the absence of like um, healthy relationships being modeled or like a healthy generative marriage being modeled, mm -hmm. people, will just replicate <laughs> pardon me what they saw from yeah. their parents relationship or what they've seen on tv or out in the world or you know just what their experience is which may be quite limited depending on their own like socioeconomic circle like what they right. have exposure to and then of right. course like what their nervous system is swimming in mm -hmm. this whole time and so if you have securely attached parents that know how to um you know, show affection, physical affection, proper um, boundaries, proper sexual, financial, emotional, mental, spiritual boundaries, um, treat each other with respect. Um, yeah. uh, uh, argue constructively and not destructively. Yeah, right. And, um, and it's not about like, the like length of time or just being married like length of time means like you could just be excellent at suffering and stuffing down your emotions and ignoring right. shit and just deciding that you're going to stay together and be miserable so like length isn't how you know we would measure success but i would say um like does your is your relationship like generative is there like is there like sauce there like juice like fruit these i'm these are like weird ways of saying it i guess what i'm saying is like is it good is it good like barbecue sauce but do you like like i don't know like yeah like does it raise you up yeah like really good is it like yes like i love this like this is amazing like i'm in love i love this person i respect them we have a we have passion and purpose together this is what we do together we enjoy our time apart. We respect each other. Like we trust each other. Like, is it good? 
like that should be what the litmus test is of and i think and i think about too like uh esther hicks talks about it it's like where it's trending right you know so like uh what you described for a second i'm thinking about something very highfalutin you know like the passion and all this stuff you know and that, which makes me think about esther perel and about how connection and solidity and knowing somebody's going to be there is a little antithetical to the ideas yeah. of passion the passion right? like so the, yeah. which is that that's some tricky shit which is real that's something that you sort of have to deal with you know yeah because we need to not like we we're always navigating like that um like i think in life too if you think about it it's not just in our relationships it's in life like if you're in the comfort zone all the time like mm. life doesn't happen in the comfort zone, but it's good to have a certain amount of comfort because you don't yeah. want to be flinging yourself out into the unknown all the time. Cause then you're like frying your nervous system and you're right. like always jumping off cliffs, like trying to like crochet your fucking net yeah. or whatever you're doing. I imagine if I was like a skydiver, I would be doing it on the weekends, you know? Right. So you want to balance. Like, yeah. Yeah. You want to balance your comfort with like excitement. So right. when you find yourself in a relationship and oh, there's so much, just so much I want to talk about and say, but we'll see how much I can get to. <laughs> um, in relationships, it can be really normal to find yourself in a routine and then blaming your partner or even kind of blaming yourself for being like stuck in this routine, but right. it can become comfortable. And then instead of like taking risks and having to have the awkward conversations or or deal with your partner's emotions yeah. when you're like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And I know you don't agree with me, right. but I want to take this course. Or I want to better myself or I want to go on this trip. Yeah. Or this is what I want to do. It's like, there's your own individuation path. Like we need to be individuals and really stay in alignment with our own sense of purpose and who we are. And that actually needs to come first and foremost, because if we don't have that, then there's no way we can offer any sense of polarity. And if there's right. no polarity, there's absolutely, absolutely no attraction. Like that's yes. a major boner killer for everyone around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't be in that place where there's like no trust and no reciprocity and no sense of safety either, because you can't really build from that place either. It's just all, it's all chaos. And so. Right. So I, that balancing act sounds tricky. It, it is tricky and well it's the same thing that we are being asked to do with, with our our own lives and like following our own sense of purpose is is trying to find that um comfortable comfortable area like growth edge comfort with a growth edge like things that excite us um us moving towards our fears confronting them doing the healing work expanding evolving all of that and like finding the excitement and the joy and the passion because right. if you've got that going on within yourself, you're going to have a lot to offer someone in relationship. But right. if you don't have that going on yourself and you're not like, you're not feeding your own soul, you're going to be like, blah, I'm just going to Netflix here and let's just right. get some Chinese food. And sit. I know like the last relationship I was in, it was like a couple of years in and we had kind of, you know, there's a lot of dynamics happening but one of the dynamics that happens is that um is the is the amount of comfort right and i could kind of see that like the comfort kind of led to like a, a lessening of the polarity which i think is something that happens is naturally happening for people all the time right in monogamous relationships like you can see yeah. old old couples that look like like each other because they have balanced out their energy and kind of come together and now they're just like 
<laughs> reflections of each other, you know? So the more uh, men and women, when they spend a lot of time together, um, estrogen is highly influential on testosterone, cause mm-hmm. it to drop. Right. And like John Gray writes a lot about this in his book. Like it's really fascinating. But we actually need our space and we like men need like the man cave time right. to create more of that tension and polarity. Otherwise, he's like, I'm kind of bored and also I'm starting to feel hormonal and kind of more emotional than I would. And that's because his testosterone starts to drop and then he's actually having more like female hormones running through his body mm-hmm. or that's like more heightened than normal. Mm-hmm. And he needs to like replenish his own testosterone. Right. But in Makes codependent sense. relationships, people get enmeshed and they get too comfortable and then they're together all the time. And no mm-hmm. wonder they're bored as fuck because that's right. boring. Yeah. It makes me think about the, the Chris Bale kind of stuff about uh, not masturbating and not coming anymore, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, like I played around a little bit with that and not doing that at all and I don't know if it makes, I don't know. His argument is that like, it does like raise your testosterone. I've seen arguments both ways on that, you know, that it Mm. it does provide a little bit of a spike. But I knew that like when, (laughs) I I just think about the the energetics of sort of like coming and letting that stuff go for a man, right? Because it's like you're on your edge and then you sort of let all that go and like you physically release all this stuff, you know? Then what comes next? All kinds of emotions, right? So mm-hmm. holding on to that, it's pretty interesting, you know, when I've played around with it and like not dabbled in that at all and held it down, it did polarize me more. Like it gave me like a different kind of energetic base to work from instead of, you know, because obviously I have estrogen and I have hormones and uh, I, you know, my energy can get very sort of spun up and I'll have sort of sort of bad days and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I know that when, when I have played around, with uh augmenting or like trying to keep my testosterone (laughs) inside of me it did help sort of like ground me in something Mm -hmm. different i just think that's Mm -hmm. interesting because i imagine (laughs) if you're like say living in very close quarters with somebody and like spending tons of time with them and like maybe having like lots of sex where you're like coming a lot that like that could those two energies just sort of start to balance each other out you know Maybe you're doing that and then those people don't have their respective jobs or hobbies. Right. Then, yeah, it's it's not going to work for very long. Um, the other thing, this isn't really just maybe not discussed as much, but since we're talking about the hormonal thing, it's interesting how many people have dysregulated hormones and how that actually is very much affecting like their mood and their, their drives and abilities sure. to right. like be in partnership and feel good. And also being sexually intimate. And when you think about like the amount of hormones that end up in our water supply and coming through in plastic, right. different foods. foods yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that men and women, I mean, I think everyone is they're struggling to some degree with um, keeping their their hormones or like making sure that they have the right uh, neurohormone precursors, which sure. those are really just um, 
things that are needed so that you can create um, dopamines, uh, serotonin, oxytocin, right. and um, endorphins and things like that. So it's like we talk about the emotional level of things, right, uh, and all our traumas that can come up, which is one dimension of how it can interact with and affect relationships, right? You know what you're describing now is like this physical like 3d body level of things that can be can yeah. really be dysregulated in and of itself and the two can affect each other absolutely right yeah like well trauma of course can um so any kind of trauma like what that does is it's like it, it becomes an unresolved thing to your nervous system so then it's looking out for neuroception. Your nervous system is going to be looking out for circumstances of that thing happening again. Um, and then your body will be using resources and kind of staying in that fight flight yeah. place. And then you're using up right. a lot of minerals and vitamins. And it's like having your foot on the gas all the time. And that's going to affect everything, like a chain reaction on your entire body. Mm -hmm. So by the time you get to be maybe in your 30s, then you're you might have some kind of autoimmune thing or gut issues, issues with your hormones, yeah. gut, IBS, or just any number of right unexplainable body pain, um, loss of hair, just like mood swings. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things um, that can present from trauma that's all related to that mm -hmm. source, like the body being dysregulated. Um, I don't plan on having this conversation. We we're talking about marriage, but it like it is part of partnership. Like if you don't feel good, it's gonna be hard to like to get together be, and like be, enjoy yourself. Right? Yeah, be generous in a relationship. And I think with marriage, it's like people can come at it from a place of oh, once I get married, it's all gonna like I'm gonna hit that landmark and everything's gonna be better and I'm gonna be with my person and it's like. Mm. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I wish it worked like that, but the whole, like you have to consider the, the cycle of like rupture and repair. So when you're on your own life journey um, and you're getting outside of your comfort zone and you're confronting your fears, there's going to be a situation where you find yourself like in this, um, this pattern of tension, like there's an issue or a problem or maybe several. And you're like, I don't know what the solution is, but I'm noticing all this stuff. And so you're like feeling very stressed out, tense, afraid, like you're in the illusion of whatever it is. Like your mm -hmm. past is like coming up against like the present pretty, pretty harshly. Right. So you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm afraid this, is, this thing is going to happen. This thing that happened in the past, I'm trying to stay open here, but I'm freaked out and I don't know what's next. And I'm trying to like calm and regulate myself. Well, eventually there's a breakthrough, like something happens, like something new happens or who knows, maybe it spins out, it gets worse, but at some point there's going to be a shift and then there's like relief. It's kind of the same in relationship where your patterns then bump up against someone else's patterns and then you have that rupture or disagreement or fight or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you got to go within and work it out within yourself and like do your best to like turn away from the whole adversarial energy like oh it's their fault they're the one that did this they're a horrible right. person they're yes. after me they have bad intentions mm -hmm. to say 
this energy is within me. Like the reason why I feel a charge here is because I've got stuff going on with this. Right. So if I'm feeling it, like where am I dishing it out? But also like, where did it begin? Mm. Where is this showing up in me? Mm-hmm. Let me take full responsibility for my patterns, my trauma and my emotions, do my work and then come back to my partner and like offer what I've learned or offer, you know, wanting to know more about their perspective and then come back together and you can have a, a deeper healing and a deeper sense of trust. But that happens with you going within and developing that deeper sense of trust within yourself, like trusting yourself to have your own back instead of staying in a victimized position where they're wrong and they're just hurting you. Right. Do you think that in monogamy relationship or just relationship in general, you get together, you'll have your patterns, things will come up, there will be um, discord, right? And then let's say that you have two people who are um, dedicated as much as they can be to repair, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like I've heard this, but I don't know if it's just if it's just like theory or the idea. But the idea is that like the more that you repair and you actually do the work, mm-hmm. then the deeper the trust goes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see that at all when you practice with people um, about like being able to navigate certain things and like it actually in deepening or like, you know, that's what I kind of think about. It's like on a long timeline with somebody who's like committed to you in a monogamous relationship to like, okay, mm-hmm. of being open, like having the, like the hard conversations, continuing to feel and like understanding that like you're not in an adversarial like you know, because it's tricky. It's it's a weird dynamic and in, in weird um, uh, dimensions. But that the more that you can negotiate, the more that you can actually open up, the more that you can then overcome together and repair. It actually can strengthen the bond and actually grow yeah. trust. Growing trust is what I'm thinking about. Well, that sense of growing trust and security and that relationship is based on all of the, the many patterns of rupture and repair, where the, the repair has brought a lot of understanding and compassion between both people. And then the more that happens, like, then you're, you know that you can always get to that repair place. Mm. And then it's, that's something that you can come to rely on that becomes consistent. And then you right. trust that that person's going to do their work and you're going to do your, your work and you're going to do your best. So it, it kind of gives this um, generosity of like spirit and compassion to the relationship. And mm. not only have, um, like I've heard so many people talk about this saying, like I've been through so many things with this person, like, like this other person could never understand that like we've been through this right and it's like yeah but it also makes me think of too you know like when i've been in relationship because there has been things that come up there will be things that come up right but there's a fear around that negotiation like if i don't have like a great you know and this is when i think about like trajectories like i think like um getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. And then a thing comes up and then I kind of abandon like, well, that's, that's too, 
that 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 tamale's too spicy. I'm just going to avoid that thing. Just like bury it yeah. instead of bringing it up, you know. Right, which is is super normal and more of an avoidant flavor um because it's like if I can avoid uh, this emotional reaction or if I can avoid this confrontation because I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Like I, I fear some, so there's a fear like um, there's going to be an explosion. It could be, I'm going to be hurt. Um, I'm going to hurt them. I'll have to take care of them. Uh, I will feel guilty. Like it's just a number of things like for whatever reason, or it could just be an unknown fear. Like, I just don't know if I can survive it. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, which is super normal, but it also tends to perpetuate those patterns yeah. where you don't get the opportunity to um, trust yourself to like have your own back no matter what. And then you also don't get to see how that person really would have reacted right. in that situation. Yeah. But if you're operating out of old patterns, the old patterns can do a really good job of actually making the thing happen that you're afraid is going to happen. And then you'll right. say, Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, I knew, I knew this is where it was going the whole time, which is tricky because so it's like when you find yourself in that place where you're really scared, there's going to be an impulse or something that you're going to want to do, which is like, you know, if you turn away, it kind of fulfills the prophecy on one end. Mm-hmm. But if you're filled with all this fear that you're going to be attacked, then likely your timing's going to suck and you're going to go to that person when it's like you're going to say the wrong thing, you're going to use the you're going to use the wrong phrase, the tone, like you're right. going to just come at it in a weird way and it will cause the thing. Right. And so you actually have to be really careful about the energy that you're bringing into your interaction. So mm-hmm. it's like you need to clean it up yourself as much as you can, like get the support you need with like your coach or counselor or therapist or group, whatever you're working on. And then step towards the fear, like, you know, take that risk, right. yes, that measured risk, and then see what new information is there. Because without the new information, you're just going to keep creating that same cycle of, yeah. Uh, I'm uncomfortable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive. Like I can almost, I can almost remember the moment when I like I got to that threshold, and then my strategy shifted just because it was too much on the line in the moment, you know. And I didn't have any these types of ideas or structures in my brain to deal with it. And so, when it got too big, I just turned away. And then, and then honestly, that's when you know now now it's drifting apart. There's like space that is growing in between our two hearts, you know. And without, and the farther we drift away, like that, the the chasm is bigger, you know, the, the, at the point where I couldn't jump was honestly the point where the relationship ended, you know, and then it was just like waiting for the, you know, because as space grows, you know, it didn't take long for like her to begin to feel that, you know, and all mm-hmm. these other, all these other sort of ancillary things start to play out in the space in between. But, you know, I, I feel like it's like comes down to like one moment where that all begins you know and then i just take a particular protective strategy it's kind of like, it's kind of like the timeline of fear uh because we either choose fear or we choose intimacy right 
So I either let someone into my experience and I risk vulnerability and I risk letting someone else know how I really feel about something. Mm-hmm. And then I, I stand in the fire of whatever I fear, like I can't survive. Yes. Because if I truly have my own back and I know that I am worthy of love and connection, no matter what, even if this person rejects me mm-hmm. and it's like part, part of that is remembering that we're adults and like we have other places to go. Um, but if we're able to stand our own ground, then when we open, it's, I think it's such a, an important risk to take because it's actually choosing yourself in that moment. Mm. It's like when you choose yourself in that moment to share yourself, it's like you already win because it's not about winning that other person. It's about you choosing yourself in that Mm. moment. And then that person gets to see you. And if, they reject anything that you're showing them within themselves. They will reject themselves, but they'll project it onto you. Does that make sense? They'll, they'll be does. like, oh no, not acceptable. Yeah. So if you're not solid within yourself, you will take their rejection personally mm-hmm. to make it about you when it's not really about you. Right. So it's, um, it's important that, I, this is like one of the biggest things, I think probably one of the biggest things um, I see a lot is people like hiding um, how mm-hmm. they feel or not really mm-hmm. wanting to share this or like they might have a fantasy, <laughs> they might have um, a fear, like just something or I was thinking about them or, or this hurt my feelings or I felt right. worried, you know, I saw this and I felt worried. Yeah. And um, it's like so much people are wanting to like hold this inside and that um, instead of like choosing to share that in a way, when you close off, you're choosing more of the pathway of fear and avoidance mm-hmm. as opposed to like opening to it. But I do think it's it doesn't mean that you just become like you just vomit everything on everyone and you just share everything. Right. I think it means that you learn first how to um, ground within yourself and really fully accept that within yourself because when you're um, when you can fully love and understand where that's coming from and you don't uh, need outside reassurance or validation from them it removes all of the charge from the situation. You're not pulling on them and you're not pushing on them. You're saying, this is who I am. I'm going to let you see me in this moment for who I am. Mm -hmm. And I am so okay with myself and an acceptance of myself because I know this is my truth that whether or not you accept it in this moment or whatever you do, it's going to be like yours. And it's just, it, it changes the, the dynamic of the relationship because it moves it from being codependent to it being um, interdependent because you are fully self-sovereign, fully grounded and, and aligned with yourself. And then you get to interact with this other person from this place of power as opposed to needing and pulling and pushing and trying right. to manipulate or, or get something so that you feel better, you feel safer. Yeah, and it, it just brings the energetic dance into a more overt 
like out in the open instead of a covert like playing like shell games and uh yeah like all the implied things or you know having to sort of like read past people's reactions you know down into like what's actually happening inside them you know it's like right it's like a marriage of inside with the outside and like being okay with that yeah open communication um and it's interesting because really the only reason why people hide themselves is out of that fear and protection yeah. it's because they fear being rejected or they fear being abandoned or they fear being swallowed or attacked mm -hmm. or whatever it is sure yeah um and then <clears throat> that's what can cause us to disown certain parts of us um which is something that children often do they'll be like oh when i went up to you know show my mom or dad something they looked annoyed they were busy right so i'm going to take that in and instead of being enthusiastic or being open and sharing i'm not going to bother them mm -hmm. i'm going to remember that this was too much and then now yeah. there's a pattern of i'm too much right. this is how i'm going to tone it down and then it's like that flow of love and reciprocity and intimacy that was there has now like the the bandwidth on that has been shut down and then we can become more and more and more shut down to letting our full expression out which trauma is like a hardening and closing of arteries whereas mm -hmm. intimacy is like that open like blood flow that flush that right. yeah that beautiful flow and openness and it's like i don't need um I don't need strategy like anytime we find ourselves like in strategy that's that's fear-based that's like hmm. thinking and planning and organizing right um if you need strategy then it assumes that there's an adversary or something worth winning or losing in yeah. this case and then it becomes yeah yeah and then it becomes like too precious for you to really show all your cards right, right. yeah but the open heart um, when you're brave enough to um, risk intimacy, uh, you don't need strategy because you're already like full and secure here. And then mm -hmm. you're just offering, you're just mm -hmm. showing up as your expression and just being like, here, this is me, mm -hmm. you know? Well, yeah, I know. I have some fears that get in the way of that occasionally. Mm -hmm. And I've been practicing strategies my whole life. So I'm trying to let that go. And just, uh, you know, what you're describing, I think, too, is uh, one of the things that goes along with that, if you can get there, is uh, the whole idea about not being or detaching, right? Detachment. Yeah. Which is just like, I'm here. This is who I'm with, you know. Um, having no issue being whatever you are, you know. And it does help too if you don't have like a bunch of triggers, you know, happening all the time and putting you in perspectives of, uh, or putting you in dynamics of up and down and power and all that kind of shit, right? I think what you just said though, like describes the human journey. It's like every single person navigating, um, just navigating that 
a journey to like to intimacy like complete intimacy is like complete openness and right. just like connection yeah. right yeah all the time but we're human so we're, we're always going to be like navigating our fears or like shutting down or being like i'm not sure about this or i don't right. you know want to share yeah. i don't want to talk about this and like that doesn't just go for our relationships but our careers and like what we present to the world and you know, in every single relationship that we have to like every single thing. It makes it, it, the idea that what you're describing, though, uh, makes me start to like imagine a character or an energy of what it is, right? Especially with the detachment, you know, that's like, if you could be in a creative space, which is like, I think it's like, it's up, it's like a little bit curious, you know, but also, but also sort of like know what you are, and you're okay to share exactly whatever you are, you know? Mm -hmm. uh you know i think still too being uh being like responsive and receptive and like knowing sort of like you know when to put your foot forward and take it back you know life is always like a dance you know mm -hmm. uh but not being too not necessarily being concerned with the outcome of what it is you know because of what your own internal security sort of affords you you know, or can afford you. Yeah. Right? And you're not under the gun. Yeah. The one, the, the thing that I like to make a distinction around um, when it comes to attachment is I view um, like grabbing onto something uh, for security can be a hyper attachment. Like mm -hmm. when you grab on really quickly and tightly. Yeah. So hyper attachment um, that's like more of the anxious style. And then detachment is usually the avoidant. They'll just cut off or numb. Right. So they'll become detached from something. And then um, like the sweet spot is that non-attachment place, which if you just think of the word like non-attached, it's like, oh, I'm not attached to anything, but yeah. it's, it's mostly not attaching like to the outcome. It's kind of holding something like loosely or gently right and it, it doesn't mean like you're grabbing onto it and it doesn't mean you're and it doesn't mean you're like you're not there with like your whole heart or your whole being either right you right can, you, you can be fully like open and there and as you know as loving it is, and as present um, you know? yeah it is like unconditional love it is an mm. offering right. it's just like an offering um that's that's how i see it is that are we still on monogamy? Where did we go? I don't know. We <laughs> went where it needed to go, I guess. Um, I don't know if there were other things to say about monogamy, except, you know, really the deal with monogamy or polyamory or whatever it is, it's like people will make meaning out of it. Like black, like if we were to, um, like strip away all the subjective reality from monogamy or marriage. Cause there's, it's so loaded with stuff. If you think about sure, it, like you sure, can sure, even sure. feel into the collective heaviness around monogamy and marriage. Yes, literally sure. we could just start to like riff and just say, when you think about marriage or monogamy, then what words come up? Fall right. and chain, betrayal, cheating, wedlock, yeah, like, yes, just, yes. Uh, right. And so there can be a lot of heavy stuff. Right. Um, and there can also be a lot of light stuff. You can think of like wedding cakes sure. and parties yeah. and fun and love, right? So there's a giant. But objectively. Uh, yeah, but objectively, it's like 
two people coming together, committing, uh, bringing their lives together, moving, you know, building something together, creating something together. Right. More objectively, it's like, that's what it is. Yeah. And then our society, there's a legal element yeah. to it. Um, and then everything else is just, is put on by everyone's experiences or their filters or the collective right. trauma or your own generational or familial trauma around what mm. that institution is. So if you um, were a child and you, you had parents that were married and their marriage was very unhappy, like you might have baggage around marriage. Mm -hmm. You might want to like swear off marriage. It depends like every personality, every child in the family is different. It depends on personality and right. how you interpret things or what your own experience was mm -hmm. at that age, whatever. Um, and that's going to depend on like how you view marriage or what, what you see monogamy as. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that monogamy doesn't have to mean boredom or growing stale. I think it can really be um, a blissful, like deep exploration into deep intimacy. Yeah. Like really getting to know yourself and another human, yeah, like right. reflecting like back to each other. Right every moment is a golden opportunity it's like you got to think about how i guess lucky that you are to like have somebody there who's committed to like yeah. trying to build a thing you know and hope yeah. <laughs> like hopefully there's a, a conversation about like what you want to work on in your marriage you know like what your sort of expectations or ideals are you know maybe maybe there's not usually i don't know. i would say usually there's not but i'm i'm hoping I think I'm hoping that there's going to be more trending, way more trending on um, extramarital um, counseling and therapy for people just in relationships because the idea is to, I think, be able to work towards being able to commit to consistency with someone. Mm -hmm. But um, I also don't want to say, like, in the whole polyamory thing, like, I, I'm not here to tell people what's right for them. I think everyone has their own journey and like yeah, every relationship you to, yeah. you can that figure you figure out your own life. Yeah. You figure it out. Cause like you might want something entirely different than most people do, yeah. but it's like every relationship you have is going to reflect back to you, your healed and unhealed stuff. Right. So it's wherever you go, there you are. It doesn't matter whether yeah. you're in a ruffle or you're with another person like that, that if you're in a throuple, those or people are going to push nobody. your button or with nobody. It's like, yeah, if you're by yourself and you're out in the world and you've got trauma and you've got triggers and buttons, like it's still yeah. going to get pushed in some way it's going to happen. Yeah. And, um, but usually when we have these more intimate relationships, when there's um, sex involved, that the risk is raised and there's just so much more, um, yeah vulnerability there so the conditions are really ripe for triggers and ruptures and transformation um you know like heightened emotions but also very low level emotions mm -hmm. too because of the the level of uh chemical and emotional bonding that mm -hmm. happens yeah i think uh i said it in my head just now every moment is a mirror okay and mm -hmm. that like I think about that when you're dancing with somebody else, like the 
are fantastic mirrors for you and your energy and all your stuff, you know? Like, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, think about all the energy that's in contained in one person, you know, and then they stand next to you and dance around. It's like, it's a lot, it's a lot to process, you know, but it's also, I think, a pretty deep gift that we give each other all the time, you know, about how we interact with each other and show up for each other and, you know, uh, you know, possibly, and I think, I think it is possible that we can make great things together, you know, mm-hmm. we can come together and have fun. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Abraham Hicks today and she said this amazing thing this amazing thing came through and it was like we're not here to like fix or help each other we're actually here to um, cause other like people to deepen like they're asking like we're Mm -hmm. here to like cause them to like ask for more so we're not like we're here to help each other like evolve and and grow and expand not necessarily like keep keep each other from discomfort or protect or you know not necessarily it's like to um ah, it was worded so it was really i was like ah it's so amazing just the way it was said um but yeah it really drawing people forward in to come closer into the fire you know to like ask for more yeah it was like to to give it's like if you are kind of just fully expressing and being yourself like you're gonna you're going to naturally trigger other people to also expand and either like ask for more um because they they like what's going on or they don't like it. And it's like what their reaction to it is, is causing them already to begin to evolve. So when you think about it, it's like, we're always changing and evolving. Like we can't escape it. No. It's just like this, <laughs> the, it's like a little wild when you just start to think about it that yeah. way. It's like, wow, we're always like changing and kind of mutating and influencing each right. other all the time you we are on the move like it or not right yeah Yeah. um and i i think yeah i think we already said this but when it comes to marriage and monogamy it's like i do think that for a long time people have opted into it to try to lock down or find some form of security or control in a way like ownership Mm. you know like now i have you and now I'm like safe and that means, okay, I'm done. Right. I don't have to do anything else. Right. Yeah. And that's where things get stale because our human nature is to grow and evolve. And there is nothing that you get to just hold on to. Like that is like, you'll discover if you've ever tried to do that with something, you will know that the tighter you try to grab onto something, the more it will just slip through your fingers. Right. The more that you hold something loosely, the more, it will likely stay because it's like, oh, this is nice. It's like mm. a, like a soft perch as opposed to right. you know this happening. Like the, but the I made, the, but I made uh, the prison bars golden for you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> right, and so it's like, I think, um, like when I was talking about some of the words that come up, like the negative things that come up around 
monogamy can be this like loss of freedom or loss of identity or loss of self, right? Like, oh, I'm never going to be able to fuck another person or this or that. And it's like, whatever your marriage is with that other person or that your monogamous agreement, it's like, I think you can kind of decide what that commitment looks like. Hmm. And, you know, like, and, and I think this is where um, words kind of fail us or these labels fail us because yeah, right. our, our unique desire for human experiences not going to necessarily fit into these these categories or or conventional things because there's um there's families now where like people are divorced and they're remarried and then they've got you know there's their stepkids and there's blended families and there's just so many different permutations of this yeah. and and i think that we should um focus on and like celebrate the success of love and relationship and when you have children that are really thriving and flourishing or when you find yourself very happy like that helps everybody like that mm -hmm. heals communities and that causes massive ripple effects yeah. and um if you're focusing on really what you want to create and you're um not relying on labels um then you get to make your own definitions of like what your relationships are and then you get to move in that direction and like create more freedom and beauty and excitement and joy it's like your marriage or this like monogamous relationship that you have doesn't have to be defined by um, your past or by social definitions or by the collective unconscious yeah let it be defined by your happiness yeah, your happiness, your joy, your expansion, like your growth, um, whatever you like, what, what you want it to be, like right. you, you get to decide. It just makes me think about the dilemma of like married, having kids, but want to get a divorce, you know, it's like oh, we're going to stay married for the kids, you know, uh, but it's like, well, you're both unhappy and that will definitely infect the system, you know. But it's good to both be around, you know, about that sort of like a uh, balancing act of like keeping something going, letting something go, all the things you have to sort of like weigh in tow, you know? Yeah, I mean, then you want to ask yourself, um, are we staying together for the kids? Is it from a place of fear? Because I'm afraid that this. Right. Or is it from a place of inspiration? Yeah. Usually it's. Right anything from a place of fear is actually just going to create more right of that unintended the unintended effect right wherever you go wherever you go there you are really all right pretty good i good? dig it all right let's call it a thing all right the thing okay this is number 18 marriage monogamy we talked about it some <laughs> I think we talked around it, around it. Yeah. There, there's, there's definitely more, but then there's like so many other topics that yeah, go right. in and out of this. There's like betrayal, trauma. Yeah. Codependence is a huge thing that I wanted to talk about. I did right. a little bit, but there's a lot. Right. Codependence is huge. I think in marriage, well, in any room, yeah, relationships. But. So, yeah, we could probably, I mean, we could probably do other, like, episodes of just, like, drilling down on a particular topic and then just riffing on that for a while, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, okay, August. Today's August 12th, we're recording it. 2020. What, what year is this? 22? 2022. Damn. We're flying into the future. Anyway, thanks for hanging out, Angela. Like that. Okay, so emotional. See y'all later. Peace.